We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. We're looking back at week four and ahead to week five, and we're asking the question, is it time to panic on Gronk, Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, and Antonio Brown? Let's find out in this edition of Rotoviz Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Squad QL. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined today yet again by my co-host, the co-owner of Rotoviz Radio, Mr. Sean Siegel. It is heading into week five, this season is really flying by, but it, it has been uh, just so much fun so far, so much fun looking at the games, looking back at the games and looking ahead to the games, and we have a lot of topics that we're excited to cover on today's show. Sean, how are you doing this week? Great, it- it just continues to amaze what the teams are doing this year. Obviously, you've got some some slight differences. Some might say significant differences in some rule emphases. However, uh, I think a lot of the teams are, are actually doing some of this that we're seeing in terms of the big scoring themselves. Obviously, Sean McVay, uh, a ton of deserved credit for what the Rams are doing. Preseason, we had those similar hopes for the Chicago Bears and as recently as a week ago people were wondering if their young coach there uh, had, had benefited from that McVay narrative and enthusiasm and also from Andy Reid and, and all those kinds of things and if he was going to be quickly exposed there in Chicago and then, then Trubisky has a well 
you know, now we can call it a, a Jared Goff-like performance. Uh, so seeing those teams blow up, obviously we have some other very high scoring games. You get the Falcons and the Bengals going back and forth at each other. And then, you know, every week we talk about Patrick Mahomes and, and every week it's justified. He, uh, in many ways was his least impressive this week. However, when you do it on Monday night football and you lead a comeback and in addition to everything else that you're doing, where you show off this arm that, that really, you know, even at the NFL level where you have all these quarterbacks who have almost superhuman arms, Mahomes is at a different level, but then you add the scrambling. And then on the key play of the game, as you're about to be sacked, you make a left-handed pass to essentially convert the first down and then set your team up to win the game. Well, that, that takes it from a, what was a large group of Mahomes fans. So now I think, you know, certainly every NFL fan out there has got to be on the Mahomes bandwagon. It's, it's been a lot of fun, uh, certainly as a Chiefs fan, but I think just as a fan uh, of the NFL and sports in general, when you see something like what Patrick Mahomes is doing, we're talking about something very special. Yeah, and if you look at Mahomes, just we did talk about it last week, but like if you look at arms in the NFL, I put everyone up against Aaron Rodgers and the current kind of pantheon. And if you just look at you know, people talk about the word cannon or rifle is thrown around far too much in terms of arm strength, but Patrick Mahomes is just on a different level, as you put it, and I have to agree with you there. Uh, you mentioned two Falcons fans out there probably feeling it a little bit rough over the last two weeks involved in two extremely high-scoring games and come out uh, just short on both occasions. So it's been a tough couple of weeks for them. We'll be talking about them later on in the show. And speaking of that game, uh, the one takeaway that I really had from it in terms of a non uh, fantasy football part even though it will affect fantasy football in terms of uh, targets and points and distribution for the rest of the season with the injury to Tyler Eifert uh, somebody who has had so many injury problems and looked like he was uh, starting to get back into form his snaps had been increasing a little bit even though he was on account and he had been getting more and more targets got a touchdown earlier in the game but uh, just devastating to see him uh, pick up that injury so We'll talk a little bit later possibly about how that might affect team targets moving forward. But as we start the show, I want to give a quick shout out to the Patreon page. I've mentioned on the last couple of shows and uh, I mentioned last week as well the, the great piece of work that Mike Randall did with Dr. David Chow talking about injuries. It is more of an evergreen episode at the end if they do talk about some of the current injuries, but a lot, a lot of good information in there. And I would highly recommend you check that out. You can do that and also gain access to all the Road of His live shows. It's a weekly NFL interactive show getting ready to start start your lineup start set advice any questions you have uh, last week it was uh, david cabin and anthony amico before that it was me and david doing a lot of the shows and they'll be continuing throughout the season with different road of his people involved during the shows and i highly recommend checking that out the patreon chips start from just six dollars a month that gives you those four road of his live shows plus some of these additional extra shows that we'll be doing from time to time and then of course it also includes all the free content that we do for the podcast network uh that gives you about 40 podcasts a month so uh, i definitely recommend jumping aboard and getting involved in the patreon community that starts as i mentioned from just six dollars per month so uh, definitely worth helping us to uh, continue to provide that high quality industry leading programming that we're trying to strive for each and every episode so Sean, as we have done the last couple of weeks, we're going to jump into your piece, the 15, that starts off the weekend. One of my first articles that I go to at the start of the week to see anything that stood out, uh, maybe even the stuff that I did see that stood out, or maybe something that I missed uh, in the previous week. A lot of interest and stuff uh, in this week's edition, like each and every time it's there. One of the ones that stood out to me, Sean, was in terms of uh, wide receivers, and you talked about 
wide receivers with 11 receptions uh, you know it was a, an interesting week this week um, you know every couple of weeks we do see people having standard performances but somebody who hasn't been uh, involved so far this season for the Texans is Kiki Kuti. Still, when I listen to shows and when I hear people talking, the, the differentiation between how it's pronounced, I don't know if I got that right. If I got that wrong, I'll let you have a go at it in a minute. But how uh, how did you see his performance last week? Uh, you know, a, a lot of stuff around the line of scrimmage, but, you know, yards after the catch. He was using a very interesting way in that team. Now, Will Fuller possibly might miss some time with an injury. So he recorded double-digit uh, receptions in that first NFL game. And I thought it was impressive. It seemed to be every time it went to the Texans' offense that it was him coming up with a grab. Uh, and other two players that had a, a similar stat line uh, this season so far, uh, Stefan Diggs and Tyler Boyd. And I know we take uh, every opportunity we can to talk about Diggs or Boyd. So what was your thoughts on, on those performances um, You know, in this week? Right. Well, every any week that Boyd and Diggs end up at the top of the reception leaderboard there. That's a week we like to discuss. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, always great to see them up there. And, and yeah, this week they're they're joined by Kuti. And if you read Hassan Rahim, who has just had a, a ton of fantastic content this offseason, he was telling you, you know, you got to draft this guy. You got to draft this guy. Every couple weeks in my uh, Slack mentions there, uh, the I would see something from Hassan saying, you know, he's coming, he's coming. You know, look to draft this guy. The team that gets this guy is is going to have a real bargain and and will use him a lot. And so, yeah, if if you follow Hassan, then you you've got him already in there. You don't have to make that fifty percent bid to add him to your team in PPR leagues to make sure that you have that volume going forward. Like you said, every, every time you look to the Texans game there, he was making a play and he also was quite involved before Fuller was out. So I think you can expect big volume going forward, certainly uh, with their running game struggling. And we've talked a lot on the show about the value of moving those low value running back carries to slightly higher value running back receptions. The other way you can do it is with a receiver like this. And so it's just one game. We've seen some games like this in the past from players that don't then translate into a weekly occurrence. But when it's your NFL debut and when the offense definitely needs this, when they've been talking about this, uh, when they've been drafting players previously, like converted quarterbacks to try and get this kind of thing uh, and, and not found it. Right. And then again, you see it in the first game. That's that's very exciting. I mean, there's a, a pretty strong likelihood this will go down as his best game of the season, but that doesn't mean he won't be a very good wide receiver three going forward. Uh, moving on then the next one and you know i've been kind of a marcus mariota truther uh, since he came into the nfl but uh this week was a game where particularly in the second half they didn't really do a huge amount in the first half and the titans luckily a team that just aren't clicking yet but they're starting to do some things that are looking good you know they bet the the jacksonville jaguars last week they bet the texans when they had to start playing gabbard so they're off to a really solid start now they beat the eagles um and and they did that in overtime but i was impressed in overtime and in that kind of third fourth quarter and the link up between marcus mariota and his receivers uh richard matthews who i've also been a huge fan of over the last couple of years obviously is no longer with the team it's been a a bad situation there between that but somebody who's really benefited from that is Corey davis and you know, when Mariota has been healthy um, and when Davis has played and been healthy, say, last season and this season, the, the target shares are huge. Uh, quite a lot of double digit target shares. And then 
uh, had a really uh, healthy performance this past week. And it's been a case where it's been hard to trust the Titans, you know, in terms of Mariota's production uh, to start this year and even into last year. And then Davis had a lot of targets, but sometimes not a lot of production following it up. Uh, do you think this is what we can expect to see more often than not moving through the rest of the season? Or do you think it was a one-off? It, it struck me as something that may be the start of, uh, you know, a real development between, between this uh, team in terms of wide receivers and quarterback. We certainly hope so. We've talked some on the show about how there were a few red flags for Davis coming into the season and that he was probably slightly overvalued in drafts. And then you get that slow start, even with the volume that he was seeing. And that all adds up to quite a bit of concern, especially when Mariota, uh, partly because of injury, is struggling again. But this game hopefully represents the breakout for both of these players. Uh, along with those three guys we just mentioned, Davis was the other player in the top four in expected points as a receiver this week. And unlike the other three who came in slightly below expectation in terms of what they actually accomplished, he blew his expectations away going over 30 points for the game there. And yeah, you mentioned the targets that will now be available with Matthews completely gone we expect to see him continue to vacuum those up. And even with the red flags from last season, we're talking about Corey Davis as one of the very best wide receiver prospects or college wide receivers in production in college in a way that suggested NFL success, obviously drafted very high. So if we can continue to see this combination develop, it will be very exciting. I was fortunate enough last week to put in a, a bit of one on Mariota in one of my main event leagues. Some guys like uh, Mayfield, which you can understand, Flacco, uh, off to a good start. But but guys going at, at much higher levels, and, and I needed someone to, to slide in there behind Jared Goff and, and offer a little bit of protection. And so to see him bounce back and, and be kind of that guy, I mean, we've been looking for him to be a Deshaun Watson plus kind of player for a long time now. It no longer looks like he can be or will develop into quite the level of player that, that a Mahomes might be. But this is an exciting game. If, if you're a Titans fan, what they are doing now and, and that game right there, I think, is more important for the Titans than the Chiefs game was for them on Monday night. Yeah, and this was by far the biggest uh, game off uh, Davis's career. But if you look now, obviously with injury last year and then uh, kind of the situation this year, he's played four games this year. He played 11 last year. So he's a 15-game sample size. And even though he played a lot of last year with injury and then he had the situation so far with Mariota at quarterback and the injuries there, he has a, in those 15 games, he has 56 receptions, 687 yards, uh, and only the one touchdown, which was this past week. But in terms of if you're looking at a sample size of his first kind of 16 games in the NFL, he's off to quite a positive start. And I think there's a an opportunity for him to really develop into one of the top wide receivers like we thought coming out of college. But there's also the scenario that it's a very small sample size and you know one game doesn't make an NFL player. So it'll be interesting to see how they do now going forward. I, w- I would really like to see this team stepping up because there is some very talented players on it and it uh, could be a very good for fantasy football if that was to happen. Another thing that's happened this week, Sean, is with the rookie running backs. And we kind of had on it last week and kind of uh, kind of put our foot into to some of them. Uh, after we finished recording, uh, we had Rex Borkhead's injury news come out that he went on IR. So we had Sonny Michelle obviously had a big uptick. But he did have uh, 25 rush attempts this past week, 112 yards. 
but what I thought in terms of his performance was I thought New England had a really good game plan against the Dolphins. I thought they really exploited what the Dolphins probably thought it was going to be a lot of pass attempts by the Patriots. They didn't really try and protect the run, and they really just got gashed time and time again. Uh, like, for example, uh, on one of his touchdowns, he pretty much went untouched uh, from about 18 yards out uh, into the end zone, and that was just purely because of the, the, the blocking situation. It was just very easy for him. I don't know if my opinion has changed that much based on what he did last week. I think though the opportunity is much, much greater now with Barquette out, and James White also had a big game this week. The other interesting one was Ronald Jones, who came in, obviously did not uh, really do a huge amount in terms of what he produced, but uh, you know, getting on the field, I suppose, was a success for him. When we look at uh, how, how the, the Buccaneers had treated him early in the season, Carry uh, on Johnson uh, playing again. Nick Chubb was one that stood out with the, with the big runs. He just had three rush attempts, but 105 yards on those. Uh, so that was kind of maybe a little bit of a, a lucky scenario. But I thought in terms of his running style, when he, he did have those opportunities, I, I was very impressed with the, the burst and uh, it looked like nobody was really going to catch him uh, on those touchdown runs. So out of those running backs, was there anything you really took away this week? I know it was something that uh, John Lipinski uh, had uh, some notes on this week. Yeah, that article was fantastic. It was the last week's Dynasty Watch and recommending that people buy into this class. And then obviously we see the breakout for Michelle, some other good games. You look at on Johnson, so clearly the best back there. The Lions probably lost that game, at least in small part, because they only gave him nine rushing attempts and continue to feature players who just really aren't even NFL players. It's it's an absurd situation that they have going on there. A little bit similar with Chubb, where you wonder how many 50-yard touchdown runs a guy has to have to show that he's better than a starter who has never been good. And again, just continuing to hammer on the fact that Hyde's efficiency numbers have been very, very poor. And if he didn't didn't have these opportunities where the coach continues to run him out there, then we wouldn't be seeing any any fantasy production from him, especially when you offer these contrasts where you say, well, you know, the Browns offense isn't very good or, you know, they don't have the system in place to create an elite level running back. Because we know that in all of these situations, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, the entire team makes a difference. The scheme makes a difference. The blocking makes a difference. You're not out there by yourself. But these splash runs by Chubb are a great advertisement for more from him going forward. So the players breaking out, certainly you wanted to get your buys in. Uh, interesting situation there with Denver and Freeman and Lindsay and, and how to play that as a fantasy owner. But yeah, the, the situation I think went the Patriots that you alluded to, where you've got the, the very heavy rushing load there for the starter. And then James White continues to see a massive amount of volume as a receiver. Both of these guys can be borderline running back ones the rest of the way, right? And and perhaps even more of that. They're not going to reach the level of a Todd Gurley, of an Alvin Kamara, um, but they're going to be starters for you. And so you look at some of the guys, and again, I think it goes back to that situation with LeGarrette Blunt in Detroit. When you have seen what he did with the Patriots a couple of years ago, the touchdowns he was able to score, the volume is there and the high value volume is there in New England for both of those backs to make a big fantasy impact. I think when you look at what below replacement level kinds of backs have done, then you look at Michelle and you can really dream. 
Yeah, and when you, when you look at, you know, you mentioned uh, Blunt and you said, you know, not even NFL players, but when you look at on Johnson and Blunt, they've pretty much matched each other almost week to week in terms of uh, their production. But if you look, then, uh, not in terms of sorry, the production, in terms of their carries and workload, but if you look at Johnson, week one was a per week five for 17, but since that he's, and I'm not a big person on y- uh, yards per carry, but uh, 5.4, then 6.3 and 6.1. And, you know, I... I think there's no comparison between the two guys when you look. You know, like Garrett Blunt can, you know, knock people over, but I'd say that there's uh, not a huge amount actually that we're expecting to see from him. So I think, you know, it's a, it makes just perfect sense for the, the Lions to get him more involved. But I just typed his name in while you were talking into and, and Google, uh, and the first thing that comes up is many fans sick and tired of on Johnson's lack of carries. And then the next article below is don't expect more work with Detroit Lions running back on Johnson moving forward. So uh, it's really it's really a tough one to call. But from a you know, from a usage perspective, when you look at what they're doing, uh, it makes absolute sense to have more Johnson in there. You mentioned the Patriots uh, running back situation, but I'm just pretty interested. I know we were very big on Rob Gronkowski heading into the season, but uh, through those uh, opening four weeks of the season, out of the week one where he had the seven for uh, the 123 and a touchdown, have you been concerned about the, the usage? Obviously, he's been double covered on a huge amount of his, uh, you know, routes, but uh, wh- what's your uh, concern heading into the rest of the season with Gronk? It's going to mostly come down to injury availability, I think. If he has nagging injury, certainly if he has a serious injury, anything else with him. I mean, you're talking about the the best tight end in the NFL. At, at this point, Travis Kelsey has an argument as well. But you're talking about a freak of nature, again, even within the context of NFL players. You know, he's in that conversation with, you know, J.J. Watt and those types of guys where you, you still have this big gap between him and the rest of the people at the position. I think that the return of Edelman will help. You know, you always have these discussions of how does having more volume versus having a more efficient offense make a difference? And it can be very difficult to see uh, before those things happen. I know most people are a big fan of volume, but we see in situations like with the Rams, where the more points you score the and the easier it is to score and the more things the defense has to deal with, it, it benefits everyone, right? If you had a chance to own any of the three Rams receivers at this point, despite the fact that they're splitting with each other and also splitting with an elite running back, you know, you, you would take them in a heartbeat. And the Patriots, when they start to get some of these guys back, if in fact Gordon gets more involved in the office, better understanding that kind of thing, uh, Edelman with the suspension concluding, you know, that'll open things up for Hogan. It'll make everyone better. And so really, unless there is a serious injury situation here, then, you know, if you can buy Gronkowski right now, uh, anytime, I, I always recommend buying Gronkowski, whatever the prices are. And certainly when they dip, you yeah, no, I, I agree there. There, but just obviously, you know, there's been rumblings with the injury now this week. If he if he does happen to play, we're recording this on Wednesday. If he plays Thursday night football, picks up a more, you know, sometimes these knocks for Gronk can linger on, linger on. It's gonna be interesting to see. But uh, you know, as the season goes on, if he can get that healthy, and you know, I, I think having Edelman back would uh, help this offense quite considerably. Uh, and I think you know, we often talk about the Patriots and people have been uh, very concerned early in the season over the last couple of years, and I think we'll see that offense start to click a little bit, and we'll see Gronk start to have more production we also uh, you touched there on the carlos hyde situation i think you know when you're dealing with the cleveland browns a team who hasn't had success uh, and really um you know the it was a, a terrible way to, to not get a win last week against the oakland raiders but i think with hyde it's a situation you're dealing with the browns and you're dealing with hugh jackson he, he's going to look at the stats and say he has five touchdowns and you know the, the production is just by grinding it out and grinding it out i think they would be a much better offense uh, having the switch there 
at running back the same as they have done at quarterback and I think just for the team moving forward it'll be better to have those rookies in there and, and getting those opportunities because um, you know th- this team uh, ha- has better players that they're not playing at the moment and Curtis Hyde playing over uh, Chubb is one of those situations and moving on to the last part of your article Sean for running backs and we're going to look here at Naheem Hines and he's been somebody who I was interested in, in the preseason having quite a few of my leagues but he's somebody who while I've had to throw him in now with the bye weeks and I was very happy to do so this past week um, he's somebody just with the workload wasn't 100% certain but he is kind of exactly as advertised he's currently seventh uh, in terms of reception efficiency at the running back position James White uh, is the only one kind of with more efficiency per opportunity than him but he's a very interesting uh, player you know if you look at the offense that he's in at the moment with that offensive coordinator coming over from Philadelphia there's a lot of similarities you could see with maybe a, a player like a, a Darren Sproles where a lot of his work will likely come out of the passing game and we've talked before and you've kind of touched on already in the show that those passing opportunities can be worth a lot more than uh, the rushing attempt so with Hines where, where's your thoughts um, you know rest of season I think he's gonna be a solid long-term option if you're looking at dynasty but in terms of uh, what do you think his role is rest of season I think you know you could probably have him have him and for five targets each week probably from the running back position and, and give them a healthy floor particularly in PPR leagues it's crazy to think how the running back position develops throughout the season and the difficulty in playing some of these guys early he currently sits at number 14 overall among running backs and yet most people probably haven't played him many times uh you know his, his owners are in that that weekly difficult position of is he going to get enough volume and you mentioned that he's number seven in terms of expected points uh, in the receiving game at running back. And, and that's very valuable because that's where so much of the points are coming from at, at this point. And you know, when you're looking for running backs, that's really where you want to be. You mentioned how he's the, the perfect fit for this offense. You would expect the Colts to continue to trail, have to play catch up. And they, they just don't have a lot. Otherwise, they don't have uh, Jordan Wilkins has been a bust. Marlon Mack has been um, continues to struggle with his health. And there are certainly questions about Mack, even when he gets back. Is he going to be that receiver? I think that's one of the questions and concerns that everyone has had is that if Mack does emerge a little bit and operates as this sort of hybrid back, then Hines could fall well down. Uh, the pecking order there in Indianapolis. But at this point, I don't think that's nearly as much of a concern. We saw that fantastic touchdown early in the season where up the middle has to reach out. He's actually turning over and spinning as he keeps his entire body up and his horizontal reaches out over the goal line. Then this past week, touchdown catch in the back corner of the end zone, like a wide receiver, he's got receiving, he's got experience at the receiver position uh, from college. So He's not someone, I think, who is going to finish among the top 20 running backs. He wouldn't be in my top 20 rankings right now. But certainly he's a viable player. He's a useful player for you and and someone who, if you have him on your zero running back rosters, as we recommended, uh, he's going to be a big weapon, especially as we start to get into these heavier bye weeks. Yeah, and again, we're recording this Wednesday, so going up against the Patriots on Thursday night football. But he, he is somebody who I'm, I'm very interested in to see what he can do. And you know, if you're looking at, as you mentioned, zero RB candidates, he's somebody who fits that mold. He had 11 targets this week. I don't expect that to continue, but I think five is a healthy workload. And those shorter passes then can lead to more explosive opportunities. But that's a touchdown catch here this week. You know, most of the NFL wide receivers would be extremely proud to have grabbed that one. And so he has shown his hands as well. And I said a week two where he just had the four rushes and the one 
reception. You know, he's had you know pretty solid receiving totals week one, he had seven, then he had five in week three and nine this past week. So the usage definitely there. It'll be interesting to monitor that going forward. But if you're looking for somebody to get, and even if you're not confident in starting them yet, if you can get them on the end of those uh, season-long rosters, it's definitely something that I would uh, highly recommend doing. Once again, the show is brought to you by Squad QL, and they help you get an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league. Head on over to Squad QL, download the mobile only app, and that is all you need to help crush your friends and rivals this year in fantasy football. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week, and based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool, you may ask, how does Squad QL actually do this? Well, the app connects directly to your Yahoo ESPN or CBS leagues, pulling in all the actual roster information, the league scoring system. It also provides waiver wire recommendations and trade recommendations plus the app gives you player rankings each week and is based on those leagues settings so that is very very important very valuable information SquadQL is truly your go-to app for the fantasy football season head to squadql.com download the SquadQL app you're all in one fantasy football manager it is also brought to you by the creators of rotoql the, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 dfs players you can also download rotoql for free for both apple and android All right, Colin, with that, we move to the third quarter, and we're going to look at the first 10, some of our weekly observations from the writers. And again, we, we start with Hassan, who points out that Melvin Gordon had 36 targets over the first four weeks, second most among running backs, and 17th most among all NFL players. And his usage has really caused a problem for Keenan Allen here, who has a little bit of overlap in some of those types of targets, but even just total targets now, uh, we're, we're having a problem looked at at gordon before the season and said look the coaches are, are saying they're going to use him more they used him a lot last year they have eckler uh, another good receiver and so that seemed like a pretty obvious thing to sell from a narrative perspective but gordon i mean he's an elite pass catching running back and they figured out how to use him he's he's better in that role than simply trying to run up into the line uh, with that being the case are you worried about how this is going to affect Keenan Allen throughout the rest of the year. I think my concern is Sean with the um, usage in the red zone more than anything. I think if he could add some touchdowns to the numbers he's put up so far, we wouldn't have that concern. And with some of the wide receivers in the league um, at the moment, the the numbers being put up by guys like Michael Thomas uh, are just insane at the moment. So I think that also is affecting our opinion of Allen. But in terms of uh, this past week in usage terms, he had ten targets, which is still a healthy target share for any wide receiver. Caught seven of them for 63 yards but the issue again was that they were uh, scoreless so he's still on pace uh, you know for a big big year um, in terms of the targets um, and, and and line for 144 targets on the year so there's still that opportunity for it to really bounce back moving forward he is somebody i think would be a candidate to, to pick up i think you've seen mike williams be used in the red zone who's impressed me antonio gates in there near the red zone we've seen as you mentioned with the usage with uh, melvin garden and then eckler and they're catching passes as well so my big concern was the week three performance against the rams but i thought that was gonna be a tough performance i sat him in a lot of my leagues that i have him uh three for 44 that week but out of that he said eight six and seven catches so if you had you know adding adding the touchdowns into them if he had six for 67 and a touchdown it's a big difference if he had seven for 63 and a touchdown it's a big difference so i think if he can find himself getting in and getting some of those touchdowns unfortunately throughout his career he has been somebody who has built his reputation based on volume rather than actually getting into the end zone uh, a lot uh, last year was his best or second best return he had eight touchdowns as a rookie six last year but outside of that his best has been four uh, so 
not a huge touchdown score. And I think in terms of Melvin Gordon, his usage has just uh, blown me away. I know they talked it up in the offseason, but just been so, so explosive, both running and receiving. Uh, he had 104 uh, rushing yards this past week, then 55 yards on seven receptions. So he's really, really looked good through the receiving game, like you mentioned with the numbers there. So while I have some concerns about uh, Allen and, you know, it's early it's a little bit like i mentioned with gronkowski i think it'll probably rectify itself as the season goes on but i think if he could add you know a touchdown every second game i think we would have a lot less concerns about him moving forward i think it's that would that would bring those points into line with what we're expecting do you have concerns about him moving forward in terms of usage or do you think it, it falls into a similar category as as i mentioned there it's going to bounce back and he's going to score some touchdowns but i think that when you hear people talk about keenan allen and you look at where he was drafted there are going to be some concerns there because the target competition did not exist in the past i've been pretty adamant that players like jarvis landry are similar or identical right and we see them in in a similar situation kind of this season. That doesn't mean that Allen isn't a, a top player. Uh, certainly, I drafted uh, Julio and Keenan at the first, second round turn in one of my main events. And so uh, from a wide receiver finding the end zone perspective, I wouldn't mind either of those guys getting a little more work in that in that high value area. But yes, I, I think both of these things can actually be true to where the deployment of the running backs is a threat to Allen and to Mike Williams, but that doesn't mean that they won't still be very viable fantasy players. So if you're buying low, obviously that's great. If you're selling high, make sure you sell extremely high because you are going to get a bounce back from these guys. When we're looking at the Miami Dolphins, Philip Caldwell had a note for this week suggesting that Adam Gase is overrated uh he says that yes they've won three games but two of those were against the Titans without Mariota for part of the game and the Jets and then they had to overcome a double digit deficit against the Raiders and the Raiders have been kind of all over the place but certainly that looks like a weaker weaker team they go three and oh they're out there against the Patriots and this was really worst case scenario they they get absolutely obliterated they're now 26th in both passing and rushing yardage frank gore has more attempts than Kenyon drake and as phil points out no skill position ranks higher uh, at their position than ryan Tannehill, who obviously is not high himself at qb 22 Colm, i know you still have some hopes about the dolphins what do they need to do to get things turned around here or to get back on the winning track I think in terms of, you know, if you're looking at it from a fantasy football perspective, it's a bit different than when we look at it from the NFL perspective. But I think this team, you know, will be around for the, the long term throughout the season in terms of having an opportunity to, to get to the playoffs. I think they're a well-rounded team, both offensively and defensively. I think they just had a really, really off week this week. Uh, heading into Foxborough is never easy for anyone. And I think they really just, it was a pretty close game early on. And then uh, they, they had a few turnovers and gave short feeds to the Patriots. And all of a sudden they were kind of, out of contention and it was a really really tough one to come back i think like i mentioned with the patriots run game i think while the patriots didn't luck to have everything in line the first couple of weeks of the season i think they really uh, got everything pretty much spot on um and this one uh 38 to zero uh you know midway through the fourth quarter to the patriots so just really really just i put this one down as a blowout you know burn the tape and try and move on for the dolphins without having the playmakers to really put pressure on opposing teams opposing defenses and control the game then you have to have a lot go right 
And that's what happened for them at the beginning. That doesn't mean that they couldn't still have that. We looked at the Titans, for example, are a team that managed to make the playoffs and win a playoff game last year when they were in a, a pretty similar scenario. But when you're looking at what's most likely to happen, it's it's not particularly likely that a game-managing quarterback with Kenny Stills as his best weapon and Kenyon Drake as a running back who you know gives them some flash but is basically failing to the point where they're having to go in a different direction. Those are not the kinds of characteristics of a team that really can control their own destiny, that can go out there and win football games as opposed to hope not to lose them. And so you know, looking at what I would expect to happen, uh, unless they can get pretty lucky, I think it's going to be difficult. Yeah, well, I, I think I, I don't expect them to walk in there, but it, it likely will be a, a difficult run for them. But I, I do think even though the Titans have players that we like more in terms of uh, Corey Davis and the, you know the rest of the, the skill position players, but in terms of overall team and overall offense and defense, I, I don't think they're all that far apart in terms of uh, you know actual NFL teams and where where they'll end up at the at the end of the year. I think there's more uh, high upside from the Titans, but you know there's also that that devastating low side that we've seen on a couple of cases over the the last couple of years. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's always hard to, to call even at this stage of the season, but uh, I still think they've given themselves uh, an opportunity there. And that takes us to the fourth quarter, where we are going to look at one of Blair Andrews' articles and talk about what the expected fantasy points are currently telling us. And we'll start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster are both in the top three in receiving expected points. So uh, far from cannibalizing each other, they've both been able to, to put up these big numbers. Blair points out that surprisingly, both are below average in terms of expected of efficiency and that the expected points numbers here could be the result of Pittsburgh playing a lot of negative game scripts. Uh, They also are seeing a lot of this target concentration because of Le'Veon Bell's absence. And so, you know, without James Washington really being much of a factor, uh, certainly we've seen the tight ends on individual games jump up and have some big performances. Blair says he expects both of these guys to remain at the top of the leaderboard in terms of expected points i also expect this because this is how the pittsburgh offense functions you've got a couple of guys who are legitimate stars i think that i mean antonio brown has been the top receiver in football for a while juju smith schuster also has that potential i'm not as concerned about where the targets are coming from i think if you have smith schuster he's got ability at every level and so they bring Le'Veon Bell back. I don't think this is going to be a situation where we have a Melvin Gordon type of, of factor where those intermediate targets are wiped out. I really think what's happening is a different situation than that. Colm, where do you see these guys going? And uh, knowing that Bell now is expected to return midseason, would you start to sell either of these guys? Assuming, of course, that you can get a pretty good deal in return. I think I'm holding on both and while you know Antonio Brown has probably you know where we had him at the start of the season in terms of rankings overall in terms of where his draft uh, status was at that point of the year in terms of ADP I think that has dropped down but I still think in terms of overall production as the season goes on he's a player that I would be holding on to expecting to still have his share do what he does mightn't be as much as we've seen in the past couple of years but uh, expecting to still finish as one of those kind of top 
top six probably wide receivers in terms of fantasy points when you look then at Juju Smith-Schuster I know we both talked about him in the offseason I've been very very impressed with his second year kind of the leap if you want to call it that he's much closer to Brown than we probably would have thought uh, in terms of the usage so I think quite it probably will take a, a couple of targets off them each game it's not something at the moment I'd be overly concerned about I have been pretty much I know I mentioned about the Dolphins and their playoff opportunities the, the Steelers are starting to get into dicey territory at the moment in terms of what they're going to do I, I haven't been impressed with Big Ben at all this season uh, but in terms of what then they've been doing with those game scripts I expect both of these guys to, to continue to do what they do you mentioned the tight ends I think I think Vance McDonald because when he's been healthy he's the guy that's got the opportunities when he's been out then obviously they've gone uh, the opposite way with Jesse James but I think you're looking at you know the two alpha dogs and the this offense uh, and then the rest are following behind and when Bell comes back I think obviously he'll get his work but I still think it, it's uh, enough to keep these two guys uh, to be at this point of where, where they are now at the moment do you um pretty much holding the same i think you know it's, it would take a hell i'd take a hell of an offer for me to to get rid of either of these two guys you know antonio reiner Juju smith schuster you know I'm, I'm holding both yeah that note about um them being below average and efficiency is important because we would expect these guys to be efficient we would expect this offense to be efficient and really if Le'Veon bell comes back and juices the offense i think that's going to be good for everyone in the same way again that we see with a team like the rams right so you see these these game scripts and you're saying okay well there's all that opportunity because of the game script but you're going to look at the defense and the way the defense is performing this year and i don't think you have to worry that all of a sudden they're going to start shutting teams down and not be involved in shootouts you think back to that game on thursday night with the rams vikings both teams scoring in and really fighting to score every possession because of the firepower on the opposing squad if bell comes back the offense performs better i think they're just going to score more points and especially with the way your defense is performing the way the 2018 season is developing knowing how the opposing team can come back at you if the offense performs better and antonio brown juju smith schuster score more points for the first three quarters i don't think fantasy owners are going to complain about that yeah and i think if you look at you know there's absolutely i know james connor had a good week one and has had you know certain amounts of production has struggled a little bit over the last couple of weeks but you know there's no way that you can say that Le'Veon bell comes back into this offense and they're not a better team and a better team helps then in terms of they can't just like there's no way you can say if Le'Veon Bell's not backfield the defense is setting up in the same way as if James Connors and it. it just changes things around opens up opportunities for those wide receivers but like we talked about with Gronk if we get Edelman back in there should open up some uh, different coverages to allow him to to get some opportunities and it's the exact same in this situation I'd expect that efficiency to go up as we move forward the other player Sean I want to head on is Saquon Barkley uh, he's entering kind of a I always stay away from this word but it pops up from time to time elite running back rankings at the moment uh you know in terms of his workload he's pretty much getting everything there uh, and and uh, new york with the giants but the team just hasn't looked all that good in terms of like eli manning is really really struggling at the moment i know this is something that we talked about in the off season about could they you know give workload to all these uh, wide receivers and tight end i know ingram's injured at the minute but you know it's been tough so far for odell owners they haven't really seen a huge amount of overall fantasy points from what you'd expect from him if, when we were drafting him in the draft season but What's your thoughts on uh, Saquon now? Do you have him just up in that real, real top tier? I know he was, you know, kind of at the back end of the first round, but would you have him pushed up now with those other guys with the way, like a David Johnson started the season? Would you have him possibly ahead of David Johnson at this point in time? I think you have to push him up. Blair points out that he's number two in total expected points at the running back position. So in terms of what your workload 
the value of it is in fantasy, right? He's got the number two workload. And that's ahead of guys like Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson. And the concern for him beyond just that rookie concern of, you know, we hear every other year that this guy is the greatest. You know, you hear it for Trent Richardson. You hear it for Darren McFadden. You hear it for uh, players like Ezekiel Elliott, who has turned out to be very good. Todd Gurley, who after a slow start turned out to be very good. Um, But even those guys who end up being stars often don't have that as a rookie. And then you throw him into the situation, like you mentioned, that's not a good situation with a bad quarterback, potentially a bad offense. Bad offensive line. <laughs> bad offensive line. Very no. bad. <laughs> Court Smith, his his bold prediction to start the season was that Barkley was going to break the rookie running back receiving records. And, and that's certainly an, an undervalued element, I think, for him in that he is really this freakish running back who has both the, you know, you think about, we're going to talk about the Falcons running backs in overtime. And you have a Tevin Coleman, who is a breakaway running back. You have an Edo Smith who, you know, has the tackle breaking ability, the short area cutting ability. Barkley has both of those things and is huge. And then is an elite receiver on top of that. So those are all the things that owners were looking at when they made him a mid first round pick in a first round that, you know, 2018 was loaded, right? This isn't one of those seasons where you have the alpha running back at one, you have Antonio Brown at two, maybe you have Julio Jones at three, and then at four through 12, people are like, well, you know, we're already way behind the game. Who do we, you know, who do we pick? This, this was a first round that was deep into that turn where uh, you know you have a julio jones slipping into the second round you've got guys like melvin gordon and christian mccaffrey slipping into the second round in individual drafts to have barkley ahead of those guys is because he brings this incredible you know almost unbelievable talent to the field but then to see it actually manifest at the nfl level has been exciting he's been the guy in this offense he's looked more impressive than odell beckham and, and certainly beckham got the massive extension because as a rookie he was, you know, not Randy Moss, but the next closest thing to him. And so, yeah, you you look at Barkley and it, it's very exciting what he's been doing. And I, I think all of the guys in the bat offenses have actually been a little bit better than I was expecting have been impressive. Certainly Elliott had a fantastic game in week four in a bat offense. David Johnson, you know, not what you were hoping for if you drafted him ahead of Alvin Kamara, but if you remove it from that context where you're holding him up against this guy who is having a martial fault type of season, then I think you can't be that disappointed with what he's done either when you consider what the offense is like. Yeah. I think the, like you're talking about the offense. I think the, although they drafted him, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think he should be taking a running back there. I can't remember. I can't give credit. I can't remember who tweeted it out this week, but they were saying about, you know, the difference in the situation between the Broncos who, uh, you know, got, uh, got Friedman and then also got Lindsay and I think you know in terms of the picks um and if you look at then what the the Giants had to give up to get Barkley I know overall Barkley's probably like the better running back but you know you, you really should when you look back and you look at the situation now with Eli Manning there's no doubt they should want quarterback at that position if you think if they like I was thinking when you were talking about Garden if I could have a, a NFL fantasy draft redo a lot of my picks would have went at the end of that first round i'd have been chomping up all over melvin garden who i didn't really draft a lot off this year based on picking up so much of eckler but uh with the nfl if you had a redraft do you think 
the Giants would still stick with Barkley or do you think they would go to quarterback it's it's one that I would I, I would have changed on draft day but what's your thoughts now well on draft day I think that you need to take a quarterback but I he's just so good and even though certain positions are clearly more important than others you know you look at something like what Patrick Mahomes is doing for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, a team that really can control the game even though they have a bad defense at the same time you don't know that you're going to get that and so a team that wants to make what they consider the safe choice and draft the most freakish talent and I think that that's what you're looking at with Barkley in the same way that you have you know we mentioned Watt we mentioned Gronk guys who are that much better than everyone else that's what you want to uh, accumulate in the draft and then take your risks or balance out your other types of picks and your other types of exposure at lower leverage picks and so for me it would still be a difficult choice for the giants i think that they are ecstatic about what they have here yeah i think they'd probably do the same thing again but just when you look at a you know an agent quarterback who was benched last season for uh, geno smith in the middle of the season and he's back he's really struggled over the last couple of years and all the things that go into it you see how some of these younger quarterbacks are having a little bit of success already um uh, you know i think for, uh, for me uh, it'll be a change but in terms of uh, you know you mentioned the freakish athletic ability what we can expect from him moving forward uh, i think the giants probably would do the same although it wouldn't be something i would agree with so sean we're getting closer to the end of the show. Let's jump into overtime. And we've teased a couple of times this idea of the Atlanta Falcons. You mentioned how they were disappointed with how the game ended again this week. This is a controversial offense, right? Because they are scoring a ton of points. And, and that's the goal, right? The goal isn't to, uh, from their perspective, from Steve Sarkeesian's perspective, their goal is not to make sure the points are allocated in a way that fits with what fantasy owners. So the fact that Julio Jones is a disappointment uh, does not factor in for them. The fact that Tevin Coleman is a disappointment, you know, that's not a huge issue for them, except that if they could get more value out of his touches, that would be good for the, the reality team as well. But Blair points out that the problem for a couple of these guys is Sarkeesian, right? And so we want to look at and see what they're doing, try and decide if that is the case and if they should do something different if it would also help them from a rally perspective so only three wide receivers have more targets than jones no one has more receiving yards yet he is just number seven in expected points and the reason for that discrepancy is because of the targets and expected points around the goal line you have jones who is the most athletic wide receiver in the nfl and he's playing for one of the highest scoring offenses, yet his red zone targets are less valuable than Jarvis Landry's, Cooper Cups, Taylor Gabriel's, uh, guys who are, are much less athletic, much lower profile in terms of what you would think they would bring in this most important area of the field. Is this an issue with the play calling? Is it something that you think that they should be doing differently? Or as long as the as, as Jones can function as this just incredibly high profile decoy in those areas and allow people like calvin ridley to continue to rack up the points you know does that offense work for them to accomplish what they're trying to do given the fact that this team is going to have to score a lot of points to win they've they've demonstrated that pretty clearly yeah and i thought this defense would be pretty solid at the start of the year based on the speed they would have but you know after two weeks they pretty much had half of their their main starters uh, on ir so that obviously hurt them but you know in terms of sarkeesian and the job he's doing i know he's had like last year in particular those 
uh, a lot of controversy around his um, you know the, the role that he, he did but if you look at like the points they're putting up against the Saints and then again this week against the Bengals it hasn't really been an offensive problem the problem then has been for us as fantasy players Jones not getting into the end zone but if you look at what he's doing in terms of play calling he's done a pretty good job my my problem with the even even looking back to the situation when they had Shanahan when they get inside that kind of inside the red zone or inside the 10 yard line in particular they really struggle to punch it in when they have a short field I think the offense is much better when they're kind of at the 40 yard line and they have a chance to to work down I find when it gets into the tighter spaces over his last let me look at it 20 games he has uh just the just the three touchdowns like it's, it's a huge sample to go so he's had he's had 107 receptions i believe no 117 receptions sorry and just three of them for touchdowns so we talk about positive regression you would imagine that it has to happen at some point sean if you if i give you the over under now on uh, touchdown receptions for julio for the season are you going over under eight i think you have to go under six i think will be the number i would set it at. six is where you would go yeah yeah and there's a play calling issue there is certainly i think a disconnect between ryan and jones in that area of the field and then we also have to get a little bit of it on jones to where he has demonstrated that the middle of the field is where he thrives and there, there's a big value to that if you can flip the field very quickly if you can gain 150 200 yards in these games out of your top wide receiver it completely changes what you can do right you're going to be down in the red zone a lot you can use those other players like a ridley uh like some other other uh, peripheral players a sanu you can use the running back certainly in the past they've been very effective doing that Jones does not have that ability to make plays in the end zone that you see with a Des Bryant, uh, certainly a, a pre-last couple of years Des Bryant, that you would see with a Calvin Johnson where they can both rise up, control the body, make these fantastic catches. Jones has no problem rising. Uh, he, he has freakish explosive ability. He just does not play the ball as well in the end zone as a lot of other NFL receivers do. So when you don't play the ball, at that point at an elite level and certainly it's not a huge weakness but if you don't play at an elite level and you're the focus all the time of the opposing defense then there are going to be cases and you know we're on a very long stretch now where this has been the case but there are going to be situations where it just makes sense for your team to go to the guy who is wide open as opposed to trying to make a difficult contested double team play in the back of the end zone yeah and if you look at his career in terms of touchdowns a lot of them have been kind of hinted at there from distance like if you're looking at his game so far this season he has one game first first week of the season 169 yards and last week 173 but if you're looking at average you know catch like he's averaging kind of in and around you know 18 yards per reception this season so far so he does work a lot better when he has that room to kind of use the freakish athletic ability rather than to high point a ball but to beat his man with the right running with the speed and then to be open downfield and that's kind of the catches we see him making time and time again we don't really see him as you mentioned do those you know kind of post routes in the in the end zone to, to get those touchdowns so maybe that's something we see but throughout his career his touchdowns have more come from distance than than those short touchdowns but i what i think uh, sarkeesian could change things up a little bit change up some of the the options we've seen like i mentioned at the start of the show you know that option to to tyreek hill we've seen a lot of teams doing that we could see things like that or shovel passes inside with him starting tight to the line of scrimmage but again when it comes to an nfl coordinator he's not too uh, concerned about our fantasy lineups i don't think but with this team there's a couple of other things that 
are interested you know you mentioned there ito smith uh you know he might be the back to own in atlanta i know you know in dynasty circles there was a lot of hope for him and then of course with the, the lantern spot we kind of put it that he would be a second or third year back we thought that coleman would be out of this situation next year if he hits free agency and then that would give him an opportunity but with the injury to Devontae freeman he's come in and he, he's looked very very effective so far um with with the rest of season with the Devontae freeman expected back in the coming weeks you know i, I like we talked about coleman in the offseason quite a bit and we were well i certainly was uh, chomping him up in a lot of my leagues but What's your thoughts for rest of season? Who would you who would you rather have aboard aboard the lineup? Well, I would still rather have Tevin Coleman, but I I did theorize in the fifteen that Edo Smith might be might be the way to go at this point. If you if you have the site up, there is a great article by Devin McIntyre that I urge you to search for, talking about how Edo Smith was the perfect back for this system. So this was a a summer draft article really encouraging you to go make that selection in your rookie drafts and it looks like as you said it it could pay off earlier over the last two weeks he's outscored coleman as a runner so just in the in the rushing game uh despite getting out out carried 29 to 9 so even with that uh, lesser volume he has outscored coleman which gets back to some of the issues with coleman as well coleman struggling in this offense this season and Again, Blair points out that he is barely in the top 50 in total expected points and that this is with Devontae Freeman out of the picture, right? And that shockingly, Coleman is actually seeing fewer targets over the last year and a half when Devontae Freeman is inactive, right? So that's one of those sort of fun nuggets that you can get if you pull up the Game Splits app. But that doesn't make sense. And that's certainly not what coleman owners want to see if you have Devonte freeman out of the picture you want to start to see this workload but instead they've been using coleman very much uh, against his strengths you know basically just giving him these very low value touches and and wasting him running him into the line of scrimmage and that kind of thing so when you're looking at the running backs situation does matter the coordinator matters the scheme matters Devin was adamant that smith might be the best guy for this offense and i I think that we're moving in that direction certainly Devontae freeman comes back makes it a three-person committee i wouldn't expect smith to get much of a workload instantly at that point or in the short term but freeman also not as good a fit for what they're doing as he was previously with shanahan and even when he comes back there are concerns that he will not be at 100%. And this is a guy who's on the smaller side who tested with poor athleticism. Then you see him on the field and you realize that that tested athleticism is not telling the whole story. But it's still a situation where when your size speed profile is already to the lesser end of what NFL players have, then any additional injuries or anything that takes you down from 100% when you're already at that point, I think those are concerns. And so if you can get Edo Smith in trades, knowing that Freeman is going to come back, people trying to to sell him and get ahead of it, I would be the buyer in that situation. Yeah. And for anyone out there that wants to know uh, my worst dynasty trade of the off season, heading into the season in one of the leagues where, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to contend this year. I, uh, decided that i needed running back help and i like to wait to kind of just before week one uh, and i went in with uh, the only the only deal i could get was for uh, freeman <laughs> and i gave up uh, aj green uh, and a one for one because i was a really deep at wide receiver and then wide receiver injuries have really hurt me there so uh, that, that so far has been my worst move of this past off season and i'm sure anyone listening will will agree with me uh, on that one so 
just to finish up, Sean, I just want to give a, a quick reminder to all the listeners as a podcast listener, you can get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage. That is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The season is here. It is four weeks in. We're heading to week five. Gain unlimited access to all our NFL content and tools and get that amazing value uh, by supporting the podcast network. Once again, that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. So, Sean, that is really going to do it for this week's edition of the show. I think it was a lot of fun, covered a lot of ground. I, I believe uh, this is likely to be the longest episode of Rotoviz Overtime uh, so far. We really did go overtime, but uh, covered a lot of good ground, Sean. Excited for week five? I am. The The two main event teams are three and one. So if we can just keep the, the train rolling here, uh, it should be a fun season. <laughs> yeah it always comes back no matter how good things go we always look back to our own teams and we judge it then at the end of the season but i have to say like you mentioned earlier in the show the way the season's trending with the points totals with the the scoring that's going on at the moment it just it has been even weeks where my teams haven't done very good it's been a hell of a lot of fun watching on a weekly basis so hopefully that continues into week five we'll be back next week with another edition of the show of course my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to Maryland. My co-host on the show is Sean Siegel, who you can follow at FF underscore Contrarian. Make sure as well that you're following the Rotoviz radio feed and, of course, the main Rotoviz feed on Twitter as well. And until we're back with another episode next week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Technology Truths, brought to you by Geico. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.